it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Well, good morning, and welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. Last week, while I was eating my breakfast, I was thinking about this episode. You see, I had made a plate of smoked salmon, cherry tomatoes, a mixture of cashews, pistachios, and pecans, a hard-boiled egg, and a cup of guacamole and tortilla chips. You know, I'm, I'm in Texas. <laughs> so this was a huge departure from my standard breakfast of dry multi-grain Cheerios in a Ziploc bag eaten on the run. You see, this was a quarantine breakfast because I had the time to make a healthy breakfast with all the things that I love. So in that moment, I thought about all the good that's coming out of this crazy time. The family time, the caring more about others, the stopping to rest for a change. One day we'll get back to, quote, normal, whatever that will be, and return to the hustle bustle. But I for not, I for one am not in a hurry to get there. But when we do get there, I hope that we'll take on a battle cry like, remember the Alamo, remember the quarantine. It'll definitely have a hashtag. So it's my hope that we'll remember the great things that we learned and take them with us into the world that's ahead of us and make it a better place. Maybe one of those things will be gratitude. Before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or a nugget of advice, share it with your, fa- your share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also we do want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there and we'll do our very best to get to you as soon as we can. So without further ado, let's let our kid caster introduce today's guest. Stacy Danford is an educational neuroscientist and a gratitude expert. She has a master's degree in mind-brain education with 25 years of teaching and communication experience. She has taught thousands of students from different grade levels how to achieve greater success by maximizing their strengths and uncovering their hidden potential. Stacy is an award-winning educator voted by Fort Worth Magazine as the top teacher of the year in 2016. Her graduate research study on how the brain processes gratitude gives her a unique opportunity to change the way parents and schools look at how children learn and develop. Welcome to school, dazed Mrs. Danford. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love that? (laughs) Oh my goodness, that almost made me cry. I've never been introduced by such a sweet little person. (laughs) Well, Stacy, I was so excited to have you back on the show. Thank you for coming back. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and just jump right in. I've thought about you a lot uh, during the... Okay, not a lot. That sounds creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, a couple of times. I've thought about you a couple of times. 
times um, since the whole quarantine thing has happened. Um, you did a show for us last year. I think it was in November. And it really sticks out in my mind as one of those shows that um, was really kind of life changing. Um, the practice of gratitude. Um, but I wondered when I thought about you over the last five weeks or so, how does the gratitude expert handle tough times? And how has all of this been falling on you? It has definitely been tough, especially, you know, when you make your living as a speaker and every single speaking engagement has been canceled. Uh, but I have to do for myself what I teach other people to do. And there's a big difference between feeling grateful and being grateful. Hmm. And you just right now don't necessarily feel like being grateful, mm -hmm. but you have to purposely choose to do it anyway. And I still wake up every morning and write down things I'm grateful for. And I take purposeful pauses during the day. And I do the things that I know that will change my chemicals in my brain. And they work every time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can't wait to get into all of that. So since we've talked last in November, you were asked to do a TED Talk. So I want to hear some about that. What, what was that about? Can you hear me? Oh, now I can. I okay. was like, oh, no, you went away. <laughs> Did you hear the question? No, sorry. Oh, okay. I said, since we last talked, you were invited to do a TED Talk. So tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. And yesterday, when I was talking to you yesterday, I didn't even know it was out yet. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, no, because I did it last November. So it, I'd been waiting for it to come out. It was truly a dream come true for me. Um, it was something I've always wanted to do, and it was life-altering. I got to tell the world what I know about gratitude and how 30 seconds a day can change the way your brain works. And it, has, it is the, the truth of my life and how I got into this whole neuroscience thing. And I've always wanted to tell that story to you know, people when I see them, and now I got to just have a bigger audience. That is so fun. So tell us, okay, your the the title of it was thirty seconds a, a day can change your life. Is that what it was? Uh huh. Okay. Yes. So tell us, tell us what that's all about. Okay, thirty seconds a day to purposefully choose to focus on something that you're grateful for changes the wiring system in your brain. And there's a little thing in the back of your brain called the reticular activating system, and it's your lizard brain. And it, it doesn't think, but it learns. And so it can't think for you. It just learns what you think the most often. So every time you think something, it kind of is like making little tick marks in there. Like, oh, she thought about that 30 times a day. Or she thought about that, you know, all day long. And it knows that that's important to you. So it allows that filter to be stronger and stronger. So when we think about negative things, like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm gaining so much weight or, oh my gosh, this quarantine's never going to end. And you think about it 30 times a day, that filter is getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. So I purposely chose to spend 30 seconds every day focusing on something I was grateful for. What it did, I didn't know at the time, was teach me to look for things so that I could spend my 30 seconds focusing on that. Well, the more that I saw, the more that I focused, and the more that my filter became bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And when you change what you're looking for, all of a sudden, 
your world changes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it all started with 30 seconds a day. So something that you said during your TED Talk was that it was the 10, 10%, 90% quality of life filter. Talk a yes. little, I'm probably messing that up a little bit, but tell me, tell me what you said about that. Well, um, the research shows that only 10% of our happiness is based on our life circumstances. And that's so hard for us to imagine because we think it's the job we have and the house we live in and the car we drive and the amount of money we make and all those things. We think that that's what creates a happy life. But the research shows that it's only 10% of our happiness is based on that. And the other 90% is based on the filters through which you view life. And 50% of that 90 is genetics. And the other 40 are purposeful choices. So your genetics, which is why it's so important for shows like this, are the things that your parents teach you and the ways that you're raised and the things you learn as a child. And if everybody in your house is stressed out and angry and worried and starts looking for negative things, you don't realize it, but you learn that your filter, oh, this is important for my family. It will also be important for me. And so we're teaching without teaching every second of our day. And if we can learn to teach kids to look for things to be grateful for, we're accidentally teaching them that life has grateful things to offer. When we let the 10 be every, you know, our whole determination of our happiness is based on things and life circumstances, then we're missing the beautiful of the 90. Mm -hmm. And it's like if you went to the prom and you, you know, had a gorgeous hairdo, but you wore sweatpants and farm boots, you know, you're missing (laughs) the 90%. (laughs) You it would be better to have the beautiful dress and the shoes and the jewelry and just have a ponytail. So, you know, you've got to understand where to keep your focus. Mm-hmm. And when we teach kids to focus on, yes, this one thing might not be great right now, but look at this. Look, there's still 90% the world has to offer you. Mm-hmm. It just is a the filter, that reticular activating system. Remember, it can't think, but it learns. And it learns that you don't care about the 90%, that you're focused on the 10. Mm. So it keep, that filter is stronger and bigger and, and the one that your brain uses the most often. It's scary that some that such a small number, the 10% can rule our lives and cause us to go crazy and, <laughs> and yes. just live in unhappiness. Such a small it's percentage. So, it, it's such a small percentage, but... You know, if you think about it logically, and we look at movie stars and athletes and all the things that we think we need to be happy, you know, money, accolades, the cars, the houses, if that was truly what makes you happy, everyone who had it would be happy. Mm. But but that's not the case. I mean, you know, we've seen the Britney Spears and the shave your heads and, you know, the athletes in prison. And so we logically... We know that's not what makes people happy, but it's the year's worth of training in that 90% that we're missing. So we're focused on, oh, this must make me happy. If I just had this, if I just had that, and it's, it's not true and it's not, there's no research that shows that that's what makes people happy. Mm, mm, That is so good. So I want to, I want you to tell us 
um, a little bit about scientific gratitude, because I think that there is a misconception about um, what thankfulness is, what gratitude is and what gratitude really is. And you did a great job on our first show of really um, just helping us to understand what the practice of gratitude truly is. It, I would love to because this is my favorite thing. Um, being grateful and feeling grateful, like I said, are two different things. And we think the average person that, that grateful is just saying thank you. When you get a gift or your granny sends you a present and you have to write that thank you card. And those are really just manners. And if you'll separate good manners from your feelings, because scientific gratitude is all about your feelings, and it's the feeling you get when you hug your granny or the feeling you get when your child comes through the door with the wildflowers they picked you. Or it's it's all about the feeling. And I can even do it like with my cup of coffee. And I can think, oh, my gosh, I love the feeling of a hot mug on my hands. And I love the feeling of that bitter and sweet going down my throat. And when you focus on the feeling the feelings are what creates the chemicals and everything is about the chemicals. And if you just say thank you to the person who opened the door for you or, you know, when the Starbucks lady hands you your drink and you say thank you out of nice manners and drive away, there's no feeling involved in that. And so therefore there are no chemicals and the chemicals are what changes the way your brain works, not your manners. That is so good. So yeah, manners are good. And they, we yes. treat, we, we, they're important, but they're not life changing, um, right. at least to yourself. And we all notice when people don't have good manners, and we call those people ingrates, <laughs> or they're ungrateful. And we get really aggravated or frustrated. And, you know, if we hold a door open for somebody and they don't say thank you and your subconscious wants to hey, shut it back, <laughs> you know, be like, how dare you? But those are are not creating the chemicals for them. Now, they're creating some negative chemicals for you. But good manners are always nice. But if you'll hold on to the feeling, why do you open the door for somebody? Because you're kind. And if you hold on to the kindness or if someone opens the door for you, each time somebody does that for me, instead of just saying thank you when I walk past, I'll say thank you so much. I really appreciate your manners. My hands were full and I hold on to the feeling of someone being kind to me. Then that changes my chemicals. It's all about the feeling. Okay. So let's talk about these chemicals that you're talking about. You said that there, we've talked before, obviously, and you've mentioned there's like these four magic happiness chemicals. So uh -huh. what are they and um, how can we activate them? Oh, it's, they're my favorite. I teach a whole course on this because they're, they're that important. So if you think of the word dose, D-O-S-E, those are the four, the chemical quartet, I call them. Uh, the D is for dopamine. Uh, the O is oxytocin. The S is serotonin. And the E is for endorphins. And each of them work differently, even though they all create happiness and feelings of well-being. But they all do, you know, a little bit of different things. And so if you'll think of the first letter of each of them, that's how I kind of remember what they do. So D is the dopamine and it works with your desires. And it's, it's part of what makes people an addict when they desire something, but it can also be good. And a great way that you can get dopamine by doing something naturally is to create a short to-do list. 
And every single night before I go to bed, I make my to-do list for tomorrow. And each time you mark something off your list, your brain tells itself, oh, you're someone who accomplishes things and you get an instant release of dopamine. And it's something that everybody can do. It's fast. It's easy. Anytime that you, you know, desire a great drink of water or, you know, if you're hot and thirsty or in the morning when I, first thing I desire my cup of coffee, instantly I have a dopamine rush. But you could teach your kids to have one to-do list a day. And we have them on post-it notes and everybody, you know, has a list on one side of the refrigerator that's their to-do. And then we move it to the right side of the refrigerator after it's done. And that just is a great way to teach kids to do something. And they also get a dopamine rush, which is great. Um, the O is oxytocin and that's the oven. It's like the warmth and the love and, and the feelings of safety. And the best way to get an oxytocin boost is hugs. Mm, and there's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, there's one, that's unfortunate yeah, right there's now. There's one researcher that <laughs> says, yeah, you need eight <laughs> hugs a day to get the correct level of oxytocin. Wow. And when I tell people that, they're like, I haven't had eight hugs this whole week. Right. And some people don't get eight in a month. Mm. And so my son, my little son and I, we always have a joke at night and he'll say, mom, have you had your eight? And I'm like, no, I'm on four. And he'll <laughs> come and, you know, give me four right quick. So level each other out before we go to bed at night so we can have our eight. Um, but a pet is also a great, you get oxytocin boost from a pet. So, you know, that's why people in nursing homes and they have, you know, emotional support animals, they really do change your oxytocin levels. So pet your dog, talk to your fish, pet your turtle, whatever it is, you will get an oxytocin boost from that. Let me ask you, Stacey. So we've, you know, I have some friends who live alone. And so what do you recommend to people that are sheltering in place that they can do, you know, do they hug themselves? <laughs> It, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what, what can you do in place of getting those hugs? And, and if you don't it's, have a pet. that This is one of the reasons that quarantining right now is creating so much anxiety and depression is literally because of the oxytocin shift. Hmm. And because it is our trust and emotional stability kind of hormone. And we need people and, you know, to get the higher levels of that. But to do it for yourself, I talk to myself in the mirror every single morning as if I'm someone else because I was so cruel to myself in the mirror for years and years and years. Mm. So I just automatically do that every morning and I'll go, girl, you look good. <laughs> and, you know, especially when you know you don't in the morning and you're crazy looking. But I do just like I talked about in my TED talk, I pick one thing I like about myself. And I hold that thought for 30 seconds every morning, whether it's, oh my gosh, you know, I love that your hair can be in a ponytail, it can be down, it can be whatever, and somehow it'll always work or, you know, something crazy. I love that I have more freckles in one square inch than most people have on their whole body. You know, I just, something crazy, but I talk to myself like a friend. And if you don't have people it's so important that you do that because you've got to have some kind of connection and some, you can call someone that will also give you an oxytocin boost, that feeling of trust and belonging. If you don't have people in your home, you know, call a friend, 
find a pen pal, do something because mm. you've got to have that connection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think about um, kids that maybe don't have um, someone in their home that is affectionate towards them right now. And they're just kind of stuck um, sheltering in place with people that they're not super connected to. Um, and so what are some things I know you've got a, how old is Grant, your son? Uh, well, Brent is 30, my big son. And then Brady, my little one, is 12. Brady, Brady. Okay, Brady. Okay, I, I think I was confusing him because I was listening to your TED Talk. <laughs> but yeah, so Brady. I have a 30-year-old, a 27-year-old, and a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The so, great redo. Right. So how is Brady staying connected to his friends uh, right now? They're so funny because we live in a little cul-de-sac, and there's so many little boys, you know, here in this little corner. And they send like flashlight signals to each other out the windows and they FaceTime and, you know, they play around in the yard and they'll make sure they'll hold their hands out, you know, and try to make sure they're at their six feet. And <laughs> they'll say, okay, you go in your room and you get on this and you get on this. And, and, but thank goodness for technology, it gets a bad rap, but man, right now, if we didn't have, you know, texting and cell phones and FaceTime and, we would be in, in a much, much more detrimental place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, when I get irritated at technology, I stop and remember that is right now my only connection to my parents, you know, mm -hmm. who are in their seventies and I, my husband's parents are in their eighties and, you know, it, it's a way that we can keep connected, but it's also a way kids who don't understand this and have no, understanding of what's going on really pandemic they just know people are sick and dying they don't understand that word or why or you know all they know is everything has been taken away from them mm -hmm. and when we tell them you know well that's just what it, that's just how it is and you've got to deal with it that's really a disservice to what their little brains are trying to understand mm -hmm. because they have no abstract concepts really developed in their brain yet they're very concrete and you, all you're telling me is, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do this. I'm going to be punished if this happens. People will die. So think about all those words to a small child who doesn't understand why. And the only schematic patterns they have to understand that is I'm in trouble. Mm. Because that's the only reason they would ever not be allowed outside. Things are taken away from them. So it, it relates in their brain to punishment and it does for adults as well. Mm -hmm. And the closest thing that we have a schematic background in our brain for is prison because we, you know, I'm 53 years old. I've never been not allowed to do something unless I was being punished. Mm -hmm. So that's also part of the sadness and the right now we have no background in our brains for what is happening and it's so important for people to, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break because we, we just don't have any understanding and our brain always attaches new information to old information. Well, we have no old information for pandemic. Mm. And so the only thing our brain attaches it to is you aren't allowed outside. Well, the only other thing we know that's not allowed is people in prison. So our brain is associating what's happening right now to being in trouble, being punished in, you know, a prison type environment. 
it's, it's much more important to build a new schematics for your brain right now, because this is what it will attach to otherwise. Oh, that is so good. And, and I'm thinking about my daughter, she's seven. And um, she's been doing things to keep connected. Her bestie lives um, on the street, but you know, down the street. And so the things that they've been doing to try to stay connected and to still socially distance is uh, they've been jogging <laughs> together uh-huh. up and down the street. One stays on the other side of the street. <laughs> so they've been doing little jogging dates. They've been um, playing. You know, they've had picnics. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Christina's on her side uh, with her blanket and having a picnic and um, her friends on the other side. And it's really filling her cup and um, helping her. Yeah her to continue because you know she's she's one of um three kids and the other two are boys and so she really is needing to connect to little girls right now yeah. and, you know she doesn't have a device none of my kids have their own devices and it's really been great for her to be able to get out and still have community and still connect with people that are on her level um in the midst of this and you're saying that um our brains are started are um are reacting to these times and what we're experiencing in a a way that's telling us that this is punishment is just underlining the fact that we need to make sure that she continues to do those things. Yes. It it is so important because every new piece of information attaches to an old piece of information in your brain. That's how our brains work. That's how we learn. That's why a baby isn't necessarily not as smart as an adult. It just hasn't been exposed to anything. So it had no, nothing is attaching. It's just, you know, at its very beginning stages and everything we learn attaches to something else, to something else, to something else. So we have no patterns for this. And it's so important to years from now, you know, when the kids think about quarantine and pandemic, to go, oh, I remember that's when we played cards every night or, oh, I remember that's when I had my picnic with my friend across the street or attach something good to it instead of only negative, only punishment. You have to wash your hands. You have to use sanitizer. You have to put gloves on because those are the things that children associate with. I'm in trouble. I've done something bad. I'm not allowed and they just don't have the capacity in their little brains yet to understand the abstractness of the world is on standstill. The world is on hold. And it, it's important for adults, too, to realize that, you know, we've got to do something for ourselves besides sit and worry about it every single second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the next, the next happy chemical. Oh, yeah. Okay. S. Okay. S is serotonin. And that's yourself. Um, that's the one that's associated with how you feel about yourself, what you think about yourself, and your you know self-esteem and all of that. And it's so important that, that there's an easy way to increase your serotonin levels. Just go outside. And it, mm. the sunshine will boost your serotonin levels, and which is super important right now when we're all you know quarantined. At least go outside and you know, getting the sun a little bit, even sun through a window will help increase your serotonin levels. Very important because that's one that is directly linked to depression. Mm. And, you know, letting your kids go outside, take a walk, you know, go in a car with the windows down, let the sun shine in. Those are easy things you can do to uh, boost your serotonin levels. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing, 
that is good for serotonin is carbohydrates. And a banana is a super fast way to give yourself a little boost of serotonin. Yay for the carbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So do the bad carbs, cookies and all that. That's why they that's really why they make us feel better. All those oh. quick carbs, they shoot your serotonin levels up. The only problem is we pay for them later when they drop. So if you'll, you know, have a natural serotonin, uh, like a banana or yogurt, those are those are good things to help your body get a little boost without the crash of I just ate a whole box of dry cereal. <laughs> That is so fascinating. I did not understand that because, you know, every year our church has gone on some sort of fast and carbs is one week. And the first time we did that, I thought I was going to kill everybody in my house because um, and I had no idea I had a carb addiction, Um, but I didn't know that it was um, it was associated with a a chemical in my brain. That's so interesting. It directly affects your mood. Very (laughs) much so. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit more about um, the eating because, you know, right now (laughs) uh, we're eating all the things. (laughs) I haven't done too badly, but I mean, you, you talk to some, some people and they're just like, oh my gosh, I can't stay out of my pantry and out of my refrigerator. So tell us a little bit more about how our nutrition um, impacts our brain science or our brains. Okay. Okay, so the, the E, which was on the chemicals, is the endorphins. And that E, a great way to get endorphins is avocados. And avocado toast. At our house, we cut up avocados and, you know, put like paprika on them and lime juice. And they're, they're a great endorphin booster. Um, they're, you know, there's a million ways you can do an avocado and they're super fun. Coconut Guacamole. is also a a great um, endorphin booster. And it's it's something that's really good for you kind of, and it's a little bit of the sweet taste. The best way though to get endorphins is exercise, which is hard when you're eating all this crazy stuff. But right now, part of the reason we're craving, you know, the sugar and the quick carbs and all that is really and truly because of our emotions. And your brain knows what's going on, even though you necessarily don't know why you're doing it, it knows it's craving serotonin or it knows it's craving, you know, dopamine or whatever. Uh, Sugar is a giant dopamine rush. The only problem with dopamine is it's really fast. It runs through your body really quickly. And all you do is want more, want more, Mm. want more, want more, Mm -hmm. which is why you can't eat, you know, one handful of chips or a few M&Ms. You just want more, want more. That's because of dopamine. So it's so important that you understand these chemicals because they're directly playing a role in the foods that you're craving. And if you will do them naturally instead of synthetically, then your body says, oh, you already have enough serotonin. Then you, you will automatically not crave things as much. Same way with dopamine, you know, because we all are wanting sugar in that, you know, kind of a quick fix right now. And a to-do list is a great way to give yourself dopamine. And sometimes I put stuff on my to-do list just so I can mark it off, just so I can <laughs> get a little quick dose of dopamine. I'm like, oh yeah, I got the mail. I'm going to put that on there and mark it off. <laughs> because I'm, 
I know that everything is about the chemicals. It's all about the chemicals and how they're working in your body, you know, throughout. And especially the serotonin, because a giant portion of serotonin is actually in our gut, in our stomach, in our intestines. And um, it, it's just crucial that we don't bombard it with a bunch of junk, even though it makes us feel better because we will definitely hit the crash of the insulin levels, you know, after it all burns off because mm-hmm. most processed carbs burn in your body as sugar. And even though we're eating bread or we're eating noodles, it's going to turn into sugar. And so it's giving you that giant drop as soon as they burn. And it's, it's, something that, you know, we want and we don't really know why we want it, but it's all about the chemicals. Dang, we really messed ourselves up because when when we were under threat of sheltering in place and being quarantined, I think everybody ran to the store and got all the pasta and uh-huh. <laughs> all the, the... Exactly. Yes, because uh-huh. we thought, okay, we need stuff that's uh, relatively not perishable. And um, I heard at least that there weren't uh, that you could get the vegetables and things that are fresh, but all the but stuff think that about was why. yeah yeah <laughs> nobody's wanting <laughs> exactly yeah. But so we 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 uh, we definitely carved up, which is uh, causing problems for us now. It sounds like yes yes, and, and, and the crash of them is what you know is the hard part. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And. Uh- it, it's just so easy because they're quick and you can grab them really fast and on the run. And and they're just so good. I know. They taste so good. They That's do. the sugar. They That's do. the dopamine. They do. Um, so you said avocados and coconuts. Yes. And, and can you give um, us some, some more? Chicken and fish are very good. They they will give you, um, you know, some chemicals that you need. Uh, bananas, like I said, are a really good one. Leafy green things are very good for the way that your body absorbs and it works in your gut very differently. Um, Mostly, it's just important to avoid too much processed food because there's synthetic chemicals and then there's organic chemicals. And anything synthetic, which is why people, you know, lack illegal drugs and all that, those are all synthetic hormones. Um, They they trick your brain into thinking that you've got enough of it. And so it quits making it for you naturally. And that's why people that, you know, have meth addictions and heroin addictions and opioid addictions, those are dopamine. They mess with their dopamine receptors. And so your brain's like, okay, you're giving me loads of dopamine. I'll quit making it. And then when you try to get off of those things, your brain has stopped producing as much dopamine as it should because you've been giving it synthetically. And so it's so crucial that all of these chemicals that we learn to do natural ways to build these hormones so our brain will keep doing those for us instead of getting them from the outside. Mm, that's so good. That's great advice. And so I want to ask, some of us are finding it easier to be quarantined with certain family members than others. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about my house necessarily. I'm just uh, saying, <laughs> you know, now that we're all stuck in the house. Asking for a friend. Right. Asking for a friend. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, but what I'm saying is, um, oh, I want to know how you can make it easier to shelter in place with family that you might not get along with. I love your story about Andrew. Um, 
So can you tell us a little bit about your student, Andrew, and how um, things turned around for um, for a difficult student, um, at least uh, in your description of him? Yes, he was the hardest student I ever taught. And he was one of those people. It was just difficult. There's nothing, nothing seemed to go right. I couldn't give him a good enough grade. I couldn't do anything right. And my daughter, who was a teenager at the time, she said, mom, no one cares how much you know, unless they know how much you care. And I said, what does that have to do with anything? And she said, it's everything. And so that next day I started taking 30 seconds to find something that I liked about him. And man, it was difficult because there were days that it was absolutely not much to look for. But because I started looking for things I liked about him, I noticed I liked more things about him. Mm. And it became, you know, just like seek and you shall find in a different way. If you're seeking for all the ways they annoy you, your filter is going to say, oh, this is important for you. I'll show you all the ways he annoys you. On the reverse, if you start looking for things that you like about people, you will find more things that you actually like about people. Mm. Well, after about six months, every day I would tell Andrew something I liked about him. And I noticed that he completely changed who he was in my classroom. Our relationship changed. And it, it was started with 30 seconds and looking for one thing that I liked about him. And it's turned into a, you know, 12 year relationship. I still talk to him often and he, the words he told to me, I will never forget. And it was years after he was in my classroom and we'd gone to have coffee one day and I said, Andrew, you know, why did you treat me so differently than all the other teachers? Because he was difficult for everyone. And he said, Miss Stanford, you smiled at me every time you saw me and you made me feel like you were grateful I was alive. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did just looking for one thing I liked about you make you feel that way? And it did because I I unconsciously was smiling while I was searching for the one thing I was going to say about <laughs> him. You know, and I was like, oh my God. And I remember one day I told him that I said, Andrew, I just... I love the way you part your hair. <laughs> you know, and this is the 16-year-old boy. He looked at me like, what is wrong with you, lady? But that was the only thing I could find that day because he was awful. And But purposely choosing to look for something that you like about somebody is crucial, especially mm-hmm. for people that drive you nuts. And at our house, too, we have an ongoing list on the refrigerator. We just keep adding papers to it. And we just, we have a little thing of pens by the refrigerator and a piece of paper. And we write thank you notes to each other when we notice something good about somebody. Mm. And I take that same 30 seconds. And so, you know, like my husband wrote yesterday on there, thank you for making a big pot of stew. And because he loves it and I don't cook that much. And, you know, my son wrote on there, thank you, mom, for letting me make forts in my bedroom. And, you know, he took all the blankets in there and just little things that people notice about you. But what we found is during this quarantine, because we are writing each other notes on the refrigerator, all of a sudden our brains have started looking for things we can write on the refrigerator. Mm. And, and in gratitude is a reciprocal emotion. 
And the more you give, the more you get. And even my son, who's 12, you know, and right smack in the beginning of puberty and crazy and, <laughs> and, you know, and he's not really somebody that wants to write a lot of stuff on the refrigerator. But I noticed that the more things I wrote about him, the more things he wrote about me. Oh, wow. And it's so, it makes people feel good. And gratitude is one of the only things that is a chemical release for both the giver and the receiver. And it's so important to just look for little things, you know, dumb things. Thank you for not walking in the living room with your muddy shoes. And he was like, do you notice that, mom? And I was like, yes, I did. I saw you left your shoes outside. (laughs) But instead of griping at him for leaving his shoes outside, I thought, oh, I'm going to tell him the good thing he did. And I said, thank you so much for not bringing your muddy shoes through my living room. That was so that was so thoughtful of you. And he, all he heard was, I gave him a compliment and I said that it was, I was thought, you know, that was thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the next day, you know, he did it a little differently and he did a little differently. And I was like, okay, this is working. We also have a little flag system on our refrigerator. We have two little dog magnets and there's a Rottweiler dog. And then there's a little, like a little Shih Tzu looking dog. And if we put the Rottweiler on the refrigerator, that means everybody go to your corners and, <laughs> and out. And it's so, we all don't realize, but we have been put together and no one is getting any personal space, including children. Mm-hmm. But we don't realize that we, you know, going to school or whatever gives them eight hours away from you every day. Yep. <laughs> and they're, they're tired of you also, you know, where everybody's bombarded in the same place. So we do two hour chunks, but one at a time and everybody has to go to your corner. Mm. And my husband goes to his office. I go to my office and my son goes to his room and nobody can come out for an hour. (laughs) And I mean, you can go get a drink or go to the bathroom or whatever, but nobody can bother anybody for that one hour. And I seem to get more done in that hour than I do all the rest of the day because it's mom, mom, mom. Hey, can you give me, you know, and it's, it's just important that we know it's okay for you not to want to be around your people, mm-hmm. but you still love them mm-hmm. because we get that guilt going that I don't want my son near me. Mm-hmm. And, but shame and guilt are two of the most detrimental emotions because they create very bad chemicals in your brain. And they are terrible for the giver and the receiver because they know you don't want them. And it makes them feel guilty because they're thinking, what did I do? Why does she not want me in here? And it makes you feel guilty that you don't want to be around your child. So instead of everybody feeling guilty, just say, okay, here's our hour. Rottweiler's on the fridge. Nobody is going to bother anybody because we're all getting testy. And then we'll put the Shih Tzu on the fridge and it's okay, everybody family time. And we'll play cards or we'll watch, you know, something on TV. We've been watching the Adams family, the old, <laughs> you know, eighties. My son thinks they're so cute. And my husband and I laugh because I was like, we know all of these, but just do something fun together. And then the rest of the time, it's okay to be apart and do your thing, but go to your corner, just <laughs> like the boxing match. Everybody get out of here, go to your space. And then when you come back, your chemicals have resettled in your brain. And now you can be your best self again. Man, Stacey, you are changing people's quarantine life right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just important to know that I, I can still love you, but I don't want to be around you every minute. Mm-hmm. And 
I am an extrovert and I like people, but I have realized over this six weeks, I desperately miss my alone time. Mm -hmm. And I think better. I'm more creative. And even if there's a radio in the other room, I cannot function as well. And my husband wants music on all the time. And it, I drive him crazy because I tell him to turn it off. And, you know, he drives me crazy. So he's learned to put headphones on. I have to have my silence. But when we all go to our spaces, we just can be our best selves. And mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with how much I love you. It's yeah. just my brain needs a break right now. And we introverts are feeling that doubly because we are um, not motivated. We are recharged by our alone time and not being around people versus right. um, you extroverts are recharged by being around people. And so introverts probably need two hours of going to your course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if not more. And uh, it's, it's so important. And I have a, a, a no coming in the bathroom clause now too, because every mother out there knows the minute you get in the bathroom, everybody wants you yep. and they want to tell you something. They want to cook. Hey, you again, do we have any French fries? I don't There's know. There's no French fries in here. Fries. I'm in the <laughs> I am on the potty. <laughs> and so I'm like, goodness. So I have a little bandana tied on the door. Like this is, don't come in here till I take this bandana off. And, and, but I am very diligent in explaining that. And I think that's so important for parents instead of just saying, get out of here. I have to be by myself right now because that induces shame and guilt to a child because they're thinking, what did I do? All I wanted was to hug you, mom. And if you'll tell them, mom's feeling really frustrated right now. I'm having trouble thinking I need to be by myself for a minute so I can collect my thoughts. Then that's all about you and nothing about them. And it's so, it changes who they are too, because they don't feel like they've made you mad. They don't feel like they hurt your feelings. They don't feel like you don't want them. Just be diligently honest. Even my husband, I'm like, I cannot look at you right now. You're driving me crazy. If you ask me one more time where we keep the forks, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And that man can make more noise when he unloads the dishwasher. I'm like, are you trying to show the lady down the street that you're unloading the dishwasher? Because I don't know how much harder you can bang those pans. You're killing me. And I, you know, you just have to say, this has nothing to do with how much I love you, but the amount of noise you are making is sending my brain into a spasm. You've yeah. got to stop. Yeah. And, it, you know, and he'll he'll tell me like, if you want me to help you, this is the way I do it. And I'll say, okay, fair. I'm going to go outside and take a walk for yes. a minute. And you unload that dishwasher as loud as you need to do. <laughs> you get it, boy. <laughs> Stacey, oh my gosh. You know, another but, thing I want, oh, go ahead. But when people are honest about their feelings, instead of just the surface feeling, the surface feeling is get out of here. You're driving me nuts. But if you'll tell people why, then it makes it not about them. It's about you. And they don't feel shame and guilt of being that they've done something wrong because we're already all feeling we've done something wrong. We can't leave our house. We can't do this. And so even my son will say, mom, I need you to, to not be in my room right now. And I'll say, oh, okay. And he said, I can't do this math. And when you're staring at me, it makes me nervous. And I, oh, okay, fair. And I said, sometimes I don't like people staring at me when I'm trying to think either. And I'll say, you come get me when you need me. But if everybody is allowed to be honest 
it, it just takes the shame and guilt away from our already anxiety and frustration that we're feeling just from being stuck with people all day long. That's so good. So let me ask you, there are so many opportunities to give back during this time. What impact does generosity and caring for others in the midst of all the craziness that's going on have to do? How does that impact our brain and our mood? Oh, so much. It, giving, like I said, is it's a very reciprocal. It's, you know, it's better to give than receive because when we give we, and we see the joy on somebody else's face or we hear it, you know, in their voice, it automatically gives your chemicals a boost and it tells your brain, oh, do this again because this makes us feel good. So especially right now when we're quarantined, we can't, you know, go see grandparents or people or do the things we do in order to give, it's much more difficult, but we have little secret admirer notes in our house. We all have a color and, you know, we'll write notes to each other and stick them, you know, in the bathroom. I put one on the inside of the toilet lid for my son, hoping that would also help. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but you know, just little things like, thank you for being a great son. Thank you for, you know, helping me take the trash out give compliments because we're all hurting and we're all feeling frumpy, dumpy, lumpy, and grumpy. Mm. And we need a boost. I try every day to call at least one person that I haven't talked to in a while and, you know, send them a text or visit because we need that connection. And there's a great research study from Harvard. That's one of the longest research studies done in the world. It's been going on for longer than 75 years that shows above all things, including health and smoking and all that, that connection and friendship is a big determiner of your longevity of your life. And it more, it's crazy. The research on that it's, it's fascinating. It's on YouTube if you want to Google it. Uh, But just keeping yourself connected because our brains are built to be social and we long for that connection And, you know, a phone call or send somebody a card. And I have one of the ladies that's in my online course that she's been sending, you know, thank you cards every day to people, just random people. And she even wrote on her Facebook, if you want a a note, send me a message and send me your address. Hmm. And it's making her feel better because everyone loves getting that. And, you know, get your kids to send their grandparents a message, get them to draw grandma a picture or you know, something just keep giving because giving you think it's for the the person you give to, but it actually is for you as well, because it's a giant dose of chemicals for your brain that says, I like who I am. I'm a good person. I'm proud of myself for being someone kind. And it's vital right now that we not be bombarded with all the news and the media because it's making us feel like that's the correct percentage. And there's a heuristic bias in our brain that we think that the amount of things we hear is the amount of the proportions that are correct. So if we hear 60% negative and 40% positive, we automatically assume that that is the correct average when Mm. it's not. So people that watch news 24-7, you're telling your brain, this is the correct average. There are thousands and thousands of terrible things in one good one. And so we just, we just turn the news off at our house. We have, we don't do TV news at all. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, if the world's coming to an end, somebody's going to tell me or somebody's going to put it on Facebook <laughs> and I'll just make sure I get my good shoes on when I go see Jesus because I'm not going to sit and worry about this all day long. It does no good. And I tell my my students in my class and everything, if you, if you can fix something in 24 hours, then go ahead and worry about it. But if it's something that you cannot fix in a 24 to 48 hour period of time, let it go because you are wasting valuable chemicals in your brain. You're wasting your time, your energy and your effort on something that is most likely completely out of your control. And if you like put that on a really a scale and even my son, I'll tell him, you know, can you fix this in 24 hours, buddy? And he said, no, I can't fix this at all. And I said, then let it go, brother. Because you're going to waste your day and you're going to get yourself in a bad mood because worry creates lots of bad chemicals in the brain. And only 8.6% of what we worry about actually comes true, which is fascinating. And think about all the energy we spend and it's just, you just have to let it go. I can't fix quarantine. I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I can do my part and I refuse to worry about it. 8.6%. That's it. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And I, you know, I'm always saying to people um, and to myself primarily, don't believe the scary story because what we do is we get a piece of news and then we take it all the way and just start building up the the uh-huh. story in our minds about okay so this is going to happen then this is going to happen and I'm going to lose my job and then and all you know and instead and you're saying that there's a low percentage that that scary story is actually going to, going to um, happen going to happen yeah mm-hmm. and like my husband you know works in oil and gas and yesterday you know oil dropped to the lowest it's ever been and I could see on his face, you know, the panic of, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, what if he loses his job and the oil industry is going to crash? And I said, what could you do about it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're not going to be able to fix this. You're one man. And he said, yeah, you're right. And I was like, you just got to let it go because you're going to waste your your time, your energy, your effort and your chemicals. And the brain uses a massive amount of your body's energy and when you ruminate over things that you're worrying about, it, it uses even more. And so that's why you get sluggish, you get tired, you get depressed because your body has no energy left because your brain is using it all. That's why if you think all day and you cram for a test and you study, you're tired and you think, how am I tired? I didn't even do anything. Mm. It's because your brain is using so oh, much wow. energy. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about that a little bit. So there are people who are really having a tough time right now. You know, we right now are seeing um, protesters of people who are saying we need to um, lift these restrictions or at least um, make them less restricted, restrictive so that we can go to work because I'm losing, I'm not bringing in any income. Um, And, you know, I, I saw that Pink, the singer, had uh, COVID-19 and she and her three-year-old son also uh, contracted COVID-19 and her account was really, really scary. And she was probably more scared for her three-year-old son and uh, whether or not he was going to make it obviously than herself. So, um, and then, you know, I have friends that have lost loved ones due to COVID-19. And so what I want you to speak to is people who are really having a tough time and 
you know, maybe looking at this broadcast and going, you know, sucking their teeth going, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, that's that Jason really happy lady. Yeah. Right. That really happy lady doesn't know what's going on in my life. So how can gratitude help people that are experiencing particularly tough times right now? And it is, it's hard. And there are people that are truly suffering and, you know, the hairdressers and nails and people like that. I mean, they've just completely lost their income. And the most important thing is to tell yourself it's okay to feel sad. Mm. And that's what I want people to understand. Gratitude is not some Pollyanna thing that you just force yourself to do. Even when you feel terrible, it's okay to feel terrible. Just don't stay terrible. Because when you sit and ruminate on it, you're, you're ruining so many things. And I would say to write down the things that you're truly afraid of. And I always teach my kids to go to the worst case scenario. You know, worst case scenario, you lost your job. Okay, you did lose your job. What could happen? You could file bankruptcy. You could lose your house. Like, write it down. Because when you put things on paper your brain, it makes them concrete. Until then, everything is just floating around there in this catastrophic, abstract, oh my gosh, we're all going to die syndrome. And it just automatically, like you said, goes to the very worst case scenario. But when you write things down and then you can look and say, what could I do about this? Okay. You lost your job. I might file bankruptcy. What could I do about this? Okay. I could possibly get a loan. I could seek unemployment. I could look for a temporary job. We could move in with my parents and look for solutions instead of constantly focusing on the problem because the problem will take your brain under. You just get so stuck in it that you can't get out. And if you're sick, Mm -hmm. write it down. You know, I mean, I firmly believe that putting things on paper puts them into perspective. And my daughter is an ICU nurse and, you know, she's right in the middle of COVID and is touching, you know, people with it every day. And of course I worry for her and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, my poor child. And, and she said, mom, what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. She said, you taught me that. What is there? And I said, you know what? There's nothing. You're taking your precautions. You wear your gloves, you wear your mask. This is your job. And she's so dedicated to helping people. And, you know, and she said, mom, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I said, well, that, you know, you could die. And she said, that's right. And what would happen then? And she said, I would know you loved me every second of my life. And you would know that I thought that you're the greatest mom on earth. And I was like, wow, okay. There are just some things I cannot fix and I have to let them go. And, we constantly are telling each other something good, you know, and yesterday or day before yesterday, she called and, you know, she said she's in Florida and she said there were several elderly people that lined up at the door of her hospital and with cowbells and balloons and streamers. And she said they cheered them in and they got there on shift change at 6 a.m. They got there. And they had little packages of honey buns and breakfast burritos. And she said, I felt like a war hero. Mm. And they were ringing their bells. And, and I said, because we are all so grateful for the job that nurses and doctors are doing right now. And she said, I've never felt so good about myself as seeing the way other people looked at me. 
Hmm. And I was like, wow. And I said, that's, that's what gratitude does. You, you feel that feeling of, wow, wow. And the feeling creates the chemicals. And, you know, you, you can still find good things. There are kind people everywhere doing such nice things. And it's just a matter of where you put your focus. And even if you did lose your job, if you sit and think about it all day long, you're just going to get sadder. If you sit and think, you know what, I lost my job, but I'm not in the hospital. I, my children are in the other room. They're beautiful. They're healthy. You know, there are still good things to have. You just have to change your focus. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I was thinking about what you were t- saying about the energy that ruminating on the bad things saps and that if you are sick, then you are probably causing yourself to be more unhealthy more, yes. from um, from not practicing gratitude and not thinking about the good things and really thinking about the bad things. Right. Yeah. And, and there's lots of research about that, too. My daughter will tell you as well that the patients that they have that are happy and positive and energetic always heal faster than those that are grumpy and mean and fussy. Mm. And she said, she said the nurses all, they, they take a little tally, like he's going to be in here for three months because their attitude. And, you know, they've had people in there with horrible, horrible things that have happened to them. And the same exact problem in one will get better in weeks and the other one takes months or years and there's nothing, you know, but their attitude, it changes everything because it changes your chemicals and your chemicals are changing your body. I was reading an article about how um, there's been several studies that have been done by people who've experienced either catastrophic um, natural disasters and uh, or people who've lived in war-torn countries and have been under missile attack, and they have followed them and uh, followed up with them really months later. And the people who were practicing gratitude were the people that um, experienced less PTSD um, because it kind of protected them from, um, from the effects of PTSD or from experiencing PTSD. Right. Yeah. And we did a research study in grad school and I used it as part of my research um, they're Holocaust victims. Well, I mean, I personally can't think of anything more horrible than that. And they were talking, they were telling their stories about how grateful they were for the person who snuck them a piece of bread or mm-hmm. the person who, you know, put a coat under the fence. And they were being grateful for the people that helped them instead of constantly focusing on what was taken and the cruelty and the evil. And what they found is that these people just telling their story the other people who were hooked to EEGs and MRI machines, they noticed that those people's brains also activated in the gratitude reward center just by listening to their story of gratitude. Mm. Because we realize that we have not had it that bad. And if they can be grateful, wow, so can I. Absolutely. So can I. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Stacy, we have minutes left here. What I want to know is how can we... What can what can we do to trigger us to practice this? Because you've given us some really first of all, you've told us a lot about our brains and why that this why this is important. But I don't want to leave without you giving us some um, practical tips on what we can do to remember to practice gratitude and to actually put this in place. 
I would say the number one thing is get a calendar. Mm. And we have several of those big calendars you can get at Walmart or order them on Amazon. They're like $3, just a big old plain calendar and to write one good thing every day. And so my son has one and we, every day at dinner, we say, you know, what's your favorite thing today? And we, we go around and do gratefuls every single night at dinner and everybody has to say something they're grateful for. But the most important is you have to say why you have to say why you're grateful. And that's an easy, fast way to keep it in our family and to keep it in our, in our minds. And nobody can take a bite until we've done the gratefuls. So everybody's like, okay, I got one. I got one. And, and I, I even have mine here. I have just a plain old little gratitude. It's a calendar. It's not even a gratitude journal. You don't have to have any kind of anything special to me. Calendars are the easiest way. Every single night before I go to bed, I write my one favorite thing of the day. And I make sure I say why I was grateful for it. And the why is what activates the chemicals. It keeps me every day remembering that no matter how crummy my day was, there was one good thing. Even if that only thing is I still have breath in my lungs because right now there are people who don't. Mm -hmm. Very true. Um, I downloaded some apps after we had our um, our episode in, in November and I used them for a little while and then I did not. So I'm thinking about starting to do something like practicing gratitude when I brush my teeth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need something to attach it with that I do every single day to help me to remember. Yes. And that's why we do it at dinner because everybody wants to eat and everybody wants that first bite and we just make sure that's when we do it. Um, I also tell people all the time, if you want to change a habit or create a habit, add it to a habit you already have. So in the morning when I put my shoes on, I always stop for a second and go, I am so grateful for feet that walk and for legs that can stand on their own because there are people who do not have that. Mm -hmm. And when I brush my teeth, I always do gratitude. I do squats while I brush my teeth also. That's, um, that's a great, that's a great way to get some squats in. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm, you know, you're going to brush your teeth every day. That's one of the habits that you always do. Um, we also in our bathroom because everybody knows you have to go to the bathroom. We also have little gratitude quotes in there, and I have my vision board in there. And I all, I mean, you're there anyway, so you might as well read something good. And just go put it places where you know we have things on the refrigerator because we know we're always going to be there. I have things by my coffee pot because I know I'm always going to be there. Attach it to something you already do instead of trying to build a brand new habit because new habits are very hard to build anyway, especially in a crisis. So attach it to something that you already do mm -hmm. and just remind yourself, okay, I can't have my coffee until I stop and focus on 30 seconds. If you don't have 30 seconds, you already have a crummy life. Come on. Everybody's got 30 seconds. You're right. So, you know, just take 30 seconds and go, okay, before I, cause I'll, man, I want that first sip so bad. And I purposely focus on something I love about my life, my house, my yard, my dog, something. It'll change everything. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, after this, I'm going to go to my favorite coffee shop. They do curbside pickup now. I'm going to go get me a boba tea and I'm going to practice gratitude when I do that. <laughs> there you go. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you, Stacy, so much for joining us. You are so welcome. It's my hope that everybody realizes you don't have to have anything special. You don't have to buy anything special to have gratitude. 
and you you just can do it in 30 seconds a day and we've all got that yeah we do thank you So if this topic of brain science is intriguing to you, I'm going to encourage you to go back and check out our first episode with Stacey. It's called Rewiring Your Brain with Gratitude. And we were fully geeked out on brain science stuff. So you'll get all all the information there. And um, in that episode, you'll find out even more about what's going on in your brain and the power you have to make your brain do what you want it to do. So anyway, thanks again, Stacey. You are so welcome. Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days, so we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldazedshow.com to give today. And also on our website, you can go there to access all the resources that we mention on all of our episodes. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you want to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Dazed is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.